we're in this series talking about overcoming weakness. And, and really, when we talk about overcoming weakness, we overcome it in Christ because he has made us strong. So now we are to literally continually be strengthened in the Lord. Nothing that happens in this world is to even shake us in any way. You know, we know in these final days, the enemy is using viruses, sickness, and disease to create fear so that he can control people and draw them away from Christ. We know that. So we know this, that this world is ripe for a healing revival. We also know this, that we as the children of God are to learn how to walk through this life in Christ, relying on his strength, walking free from sickness and disease and pain. We're never to fear anything. So that's why we talk about these things. So today, we're just going to believe God for utterance, and let's just get into this. I pray that this would be an infusion of revelation knowledge of the strength that you have been provided in Christ. So let's jump back to our, to our foundational scripture. We'll launch off here, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 13. Hallelujah. The worship team basically just sang the whole sermon. So we'll go back and we'll just fill in the blanks. In verse 13, it says, There hath no temptation. And remember, we said the word temptation means a test, a trial, an affliction. It is pressure that the enemy brings. He'll use people, he'll use circumstances, he'll use everything in your past because the enemy started messing with everybody when they were just little kids, right? He'll use everything he can to put pressure on you so that you yield to something that could hurt you, hurt those around you, or that you can yield to something that's going to take your eyes off the Lord so that he separates you from faith. Because if he can separate you from faith, and all of a sudden, the justified ones, the ones who are righteous, which is us, the ones who've been made righteous, we have been made and commanded to walk by faith. But he will bring things into your life to put pressure on you so that you begin to walk by sight. Because he knows to be carnally minded is death. It can't, if you are looking at your situation right now, and you're making a decision because of pressure, I just need to relieve the pressure. Or, because, you know what, I know the word says this, but I'm going to do this anyway. It can produce nothing but death. But if you're spiritually minded, if you keep your eyes on the word of God, if you, which is keeping your eyes on Jesus, that cannot produce anything but life and peace. I mean, it's, it's impossible 
for it to produce anything other than that. So now we look at verse 13. There's no temptation taken you. That means a temptation that has gotten a hold of you, but such as is common to man. We said this before, we're going to say it again. You will never face a temptation, a test, or a trial. There will never be pressure put on you that is anything specific to you. Satan does the same thing with everybody. So know this, that whatever you're facing, and again, you might be sitting here going, well, what does this have to do with me? Things are great. I'm not facing anything. Well, let me prophesy. There is a storm coming. You're going to face Goliath. You're going to go into the fiery furnace. You're going to be tried to throw, be thrown in prison and slavery. Satan's going to try everything he can to stop God's plan for your life. Because he does not want you to be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Right? He doesn't want you to be someone who is living in the earth in the middle of this world system where all of your abundance is coming from within, none of it's coming from without. Because in the kingdom of God, you are able to be in the kingdom and pull out all the finances from the world system that you will ever need to do everything God's called you to do. It's all in you. It's already been provided. He doesn't want you to live your life as a person whose leaf never withers. He wants you, he wants you to wither in front of people who don't know the Lord. But God says, I want you to live a life where your leaf never, never withers. Everything is fresh. Everything about your life is fresh. Your marriage, your friendships, your ministry, every, your walk with the Lord, it's just all fresh. He doesn't want you to yield all your fruit in your season, right? Do you realize that on this earth, there is about to come on this earth a time that this earth has never seen? When the church gets raptured out of here, when can that happen? It could happen at any time. To be honest with you, I'm rather shocked that it didn't happen last year. But every year going from this year on, I live my life looking up. I live my life with a mentality of, I have got to get all these people in my life that don't know Christ. I need to get them saved. I need to lead them to Christ because I don't want them to see this one-day battle called the Ezekiel 38 war that wipes out a massive amount of people in the Middle East and in all these nations that come against Israel, followed by this world leader who signs a seven-year peace treaty, and now we go into a tribulation period, which, which is three and a half years of not fun stuff. We think what's going on now, it, it, this is like vacation compared to what they will experience in the first three and a half years, getting ready for this world leader to stand in the temple of God, proclaim himself as God. The, the, literally, Satan himself will possess this man. And then we will go into three and a half years of what's called the Great Tribulation. There are things that will happen where a third of the population is, is wiped out. I mean, we're talking meteors, we're talking war, control as we've never seen it. I'm so glad we're not going to be here 
but I don't want anybody. I don't want my worst enemy to go through this. Because the thing is, most won't go through it. Most will be taken out by it. So he doesn't want you to yield all your fruit in your season. Church, we are, we are about to go from faith to sight. You are about to stand before Jesus face to face. And he will have wanted to have walked out his plan for your life. And I'm telling you, how you do it is not in your own strength. It is not in your own wisdom. We walk like Jesus walked. Do you know Jesus didn't walk in his own strength and in his own wisdom and in his own anointing? He didn't walk in it. He was the anointed one, which means that he was anointed by someone else, the mighty Holy Spirit. He lived as a man anointed by God in the same way you and I. You are a world overcomer as you're sitting here right now. You've been given victory and triumph. Everything's been provided for you, and it's all in you. And now you have the mighty Holy Spirit who literally is living in you for the purpose so that he can show you everything that God has freely given you and walk you in the truth of all of it. So now, this temptation, it's such as is common to man, but then it says God is going to be faithful in this area, in this area of you being tempted. You will never grow spiritually enough to not be tempted. We will always be tempted, right? Today, you're going to be tempted. Tests, trials, pressure. If you've yielded to temptation... Over and over again, year after year, decade after decade, I've got good news for you. God has victory for you. There's a way to walk free from all of it. Remember we said this, you have to be willing. You got to be willing to do the will of God. So many Christians, they're walking with so many blind spots because God's word is not first. He's a peripheral. Do you, do you realize that you're not to go to church, but you are the church? And as the church, you're never to forsake the assembling of yourself together. You are to meditate in the word of God day and night. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. I'm in a season of my life. No, 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 no. You have to take that to the Lord. Because you've got to get to a place to walk in strength to where you're no longer saying no to God. And it's not like you literally say no. What you do is you're self-deceived and you don't answer that. There's this leading to go this way that the Holy Spirit's leading you in. And what you do is you just kind of go la, 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 la. And you just kind of walk over here. And because God doesn't put pressure you kind of walk through life, but there's all this inner turmoil in you. Pretty soon you're no longer purpose-driven, you're need-driven, right? God wants you to walk free from all of this, and there's a way out. It says that God will be faithful. He won't let you be tempted above what you can bear. He knows where you're at. He knows right where you're at, whether you're really strong, whether you're 
still a baby, right? Do you know, I think there was a movie that came out, just, I, I never watched it, would not recommend it, just, I don't even know what it's really about, but the title was, you were a 40-year-old virgin, right? Like, that's a bad thing. But we've got, we've got like 70-year baby Christians. We've got 70-year-old, 80-year-old baby Christians sitting, if you could see their spirit, they're sitting there in pampers. They've got a little pacifier. They're looking at their pastor going, feed me. Feed me, a baby cries. Stop that. That's bothering me. I don't like that style of worship. Ooh, I, I, you know, I, I just, I, I, I wish pastor would not preach so long. Babies do that stuff, right? But, you know, it's because, but God wants you to grow up. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, this church was messed up. Sexual addiction, every one of them would have had a sexual addiction growing up in Corinth. All this stuff, and within four years, Paul expected them to be full grown. Isn't that cool? You could be full grown in four years. Let me get back to this. He doesn't let you be tempted above what you're able God is so good, even if you're a baby, he's never going to let anything into your life that's, that's, that you can't overcome. Why? Because he always causes you to triumph. He always gives you the victory. So step number one, he will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but he will always make a way for you to escape the temptation. And as we said before, that way is faith and grace. God has provided everything by his grace in salvation that will always make a way out for you and then he's literally given you as a child of God a measure of his faith. And that faith comes as a result of you hearing his words. And it grows as you hear his words and act on his words, it always gives you a way out. Yes, we will always be tempted, and yes, we will always have the ability to never yield to the temptation. He'll always make a way out. Isn't that good news? That you may be able to bear it. So important. And then we went over to James chapter 1. We got to go there again. James chapter 1. In verse 13, it says this, Let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. In other words, we're all going to be tempted. All of us, our whole lives on the earth. But we will never be tempted by God. God wants you to know if there's any test, trial, temptation, affliction, pressure. The pressure is never from him. He is the one that makes, the, makes a way for you to escape it. He never brings it. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. Isn't that amazing? God does never, he never tempts you. Never tempts you. Now the trial of your faith is precious, but Satan is always wanting to put your faith on trial. God doesn't have to test your faith. 
He already knows where you are, right? So now let's jump over to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. We're just going to kind of fly through some scriptures this morning. It says this in verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. This word tribulation is very similar. It comes out of the same word, temptation. But this word tribulation means pressure, mental anguish. This word means persecution. It means burdens. Things are going to come to try to burden you, to try to trouble you. In the world, you shall have. Bummer. It didn't say might. Because if he said might, then we might have a chance not to have it. But nope, we will have this in the world. Now, in him, in him, we have peace. Do you realize you're in him in the world? So in the world, on the outside, you're going to have pressure, mental anguish. Things are going to try to burden you and trouble you. But look at what he says here. But be of good cheer. Why would he say that? If you want to know why Jesus said that, I would really encourage you to listen to Wednesday night's sermon. Because everything is in you. Salvation includes everything. And the word of God is very clear. You only can draw the blessings of God out of your well, the well of salvation. You could only draw it out in joy. You can't draw it out if you're not in joy. You could really tell where a person's at by their countenance. Now, right now, you guys all look so serious. But that's okay, because you're receiving. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your countenance when you're in your car alone. In this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. This, see, be of good cheer, it not only, it, 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 it gives you a picture of joy. But this phrase literally means take courage and be bold. Which is exactly what James said. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why would he say that? Because you can only draw your answer out of the well in joy. And the word count has in it to lead. It has in it to use your authority in the area of joy. That means tell your emotions to calm down, tell your flesh to shut up, and you start stirring up joy because you only have joy one way. See, baby Christians think they have joy when everything's going well in their life and they feel good. But joy has that joy doesn't come after you feel good. You stir joy up, it's part of the DNA of your spirit, man, and it only gets stirred up one way by the answer of your mouth. How are you answering your circumstances? I have the victory. Father, I thank you that you always cause me to triumph. 
Father, I thank you that I'm strong in you and in the power of your might. Right? I can do all things through you, Father. This situation in my life is of none effect. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me at all. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. The doctor said you can die. doesn't affect me at all because it is written by my God, I won't die, but I'll live and I'll declare his works. So death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Has nothing in my life, right? And that's when joy comes up. And whoa, I'll tell you, you talk about feelings. It's wonderful. Be of good cheer. Why? Take courage, be bold, because I have overcome the world. This world system that Satan is the God of, it seems so big and bad, but you are way, way above it. You are not ever to allow circumstances to dictate your life. You are to use your authority in the name of Jesus to take authority over the circumstances. You are to move them. They are never to move you. Right? When you walk in a room, that is the kingdom of God. So now, who is in charge? Jesus is in charge. He is Lord, and you represent him. That is the way that you walk. Take courage and be bold. I have overcome the world. Well, when did he do that? On the cross, when he came out of the grave. Let's go to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. It says this, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. What is another way to to say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Jesus. You just said the same thing. The three who are one. Jesus said, now all authority has been given to me, and now you go in my name. We have been given delegated authority in the name of Jesus. And we are to walk in that authority in Jesus' name. How do we walk that out? We are led by the Spirit of God. He will literally stir us on what to say, where to go. He will ensure that you're in the right place at the right time. So don't just attend a church like so many people do. Be, allow yourself to be planted in a church. Why are so many people not flourishing? Because they're not planted. Yeah, but they go. Isn't going being planted? No. No partnering with that vision of that church, allowing God to plant you, right? Have you ever driven down the street and saw a tree or a bush or a flower walking by houses, businesses, looking, going, am I going to be planted here? Oh, look at that's so nice over there. That's what, that's what Christians do, though, right? Oh, let me see. Well, how is the worship? How is the children's ministry? Right? When my kids were growing up, they didn't like our youth group when we started the church. Which kind of sucked because... Jeanette and I were the youth leaders, right? 
you know, and so they came to us. They came to us and said, hey, all of our friends, they go to Christ Community Church's youth group, and we don't like ours, and we want to go there. Can we do that? You know, just thinking, well, maybe we'll think about it. And I'm like, well, no, there's no, no, you're not going to go there. You're going to come to our church. And they're like, but we don't like it. I go, I said, great. So then pray, be led by God and change it. Yeah, but I don't like this church because there's not enough single people. Then change it. Yeah, but I don't like this. You know, they just don't have, then change it. The question is not where do you want to go. You get yourself in trouble when you start deciding where you want to go. Then pretty soon you start deciding, well, do I go to church or do I not? That's, that's even bad. What's even worse is when you get to that level, now you're already in the level, yeah, it's optional for me to get in the word. And I'm walking thinking that I know God intimately, but I don't. I could just quote a couple scriptures about him that I heard years ago. But we're talking about being strong. The humble are strong. Every decision of my life, every decision of your life as a believer is, Lord, what would you have me to do? Where do you want me to go? And what's glorious about that, when you start in these areas, when he's leading you places, pretty soon he will be leading you places everywhere in your life. You will always be in the right place at the right time with the right heart. You'll be minding your own business in a grocery store, but you're a believer and you have a heart to minister to people and all of a sudden in a grocery store, he will put you on the right aisle at the right food item to, and with the right words to say to an individual to show them Jesus. And all of a sudden, your whole life becomes, this is how your life becomes seeking first the kingdom. And man, when you're seeking first the kingdom, you have now positioned yourself for him to be able to add everything to you that he wants to add to you. This is so big, all authority. So now let's look at this. He sent out 70, and, and he, let, let me give you a picture of this in the ministry of Jesus. What we have is even greater than this, but this gives us a, Greek, a big picture. Go to Luke chapter 10. I want you to set your eyes on these scriptures, even though we talk about them. It says, in, well, start in verse 17. It says, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us, unto us, through your name. So Jesus, <clears throat> on the earth, sent them out and gave them delegated authority in his name to use his name <clears throat> to heal the sick. Now, they weren't even born again. Isn't it amazing? But he still had authority. Why? Well, remember, if you've been around here very long, you've heard me say this. God doesn't start anything in the natural until it's done in the spiritual. So Jesus on the earth, before he even went to the cross, he had authority. He had authority to forgive sin. 
He had, he had authority. He sent these guys out. And so they're out there. They're healing the sick. They're proclaiming the kingdom of God. All of a sudden, this devil manifests, and one of them goes, in the name of Jesus, come out of him. That devil comes out, and they're like, wow, that's awesome. So now they're coming back with joy. Even the demons, even the devils are subject to us through your name. And he said unto them, now Jesus is going to speak from his position in eternity. He said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning. Well, when was that? When he was cast out of heaven. Right? Which I think is pretty awesome. So I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Jesus beheld it. Which means his father probably did it. Now Jesus does usually everything, so Jesus could have done it because they're so one, they just all talk as if they're doing it. But anyway, Jesus goes, listen, I remember the day when Satan was cast out of heaven and he fell like lightning to the earth. And then he says this in verse 19, behold, I give unto you power. This Greek word means delegated authority. We know from other scriptures it's delegated authority in the name of Jesus. To do what? To tread on serpents and scorpions. Tread. To have absolute mastery over. That's what that Greek word means. Serpents and scorpions are a type of the whole satanic hierarchy. So that would include all demons all principalities, all powers, all the rulers of darkness of this world, all spiritual wickedness, we always say in heavenly places. They're not in heavenly places. They're in high places. That Greek word literally means the air under the mountain. They have been cast to this earth. Right? And it says here, because of that, I've also given you delegated authority in my name to do what? To have absolute mastery over the enemy, the enemy. Satan himself. You're to have absolute mastery over him. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. That is in the Bible. We don't hear that preached in church enough. God is telling you there is nothing in this earth realm that can hurt you. Wow, could we get a revelation knowledge of that. Could you imagine you would not be afraid to go anywhere if you really believe that. Because nothing's going to hurt me. Right? It's amazing. Some of the stories that I've heard of military guys in battle that had a revelation of this and knew in insurmountable situations that they were going to live. It's amazing how the word of God gives you so much strength. So what do we do? So let's go to Romans chapter 12 and let's start to look at a couple things here. Romans chapter 12, I think it's about verse 21, but I'll tell you here in a second. Yeah, last verse, verse 21. The word of God tells you and I that makes this statement. Now we know we've been given all authority in the name of Jesus. There's nothing in your life that you don't have authority over. You don't like where your kids are at? Use your authority and watch God change it. 
you don't like where your health is at or your finances is at, I'm telling you, listen, this is the thing. It has all been given to you. Maybe let, let's let 2022 be a year that you walk free from all pain, all sickness, all disease, blood work being perfect, no more symptoms in my body, no more, I, I take vitamins, but I don't have to take all this other medicine, deal with all this nonsense, spend all this money, Right? Let this year, let this be a year of freedom for you financially where the God of heaven comes in and begins to work a financial plan that you had never thought was even possible, right? So it goes on to say right here, be not overcome of evil. God is telling you, don't ever be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good always poverty and lack is evil how do you overcome evil with good by believing what God said in the word of God about your finances then speaking it out of your mouth and acting on it and in a time when it looks like there is great lack I'm sowing more how much am I sowing? Well, I just, I just look down in my heart and I do whatever's on my heart. And I don't consider anything else. I just consider, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm overcoming evil with good. These old detrimental thought processes in my mind that are trying to draw me back to a lifestyle and, and sin habits and things that has just eaten my lunch for years. No, I'm going to overcome that with good. I'm going to see what the Bible says. I'm going to meditate on that until it gets so big in me that I'm speaking it out of my mouth and acting on it as if there is no problem because the reality, of there is, the reality is there is no problem. It's all in your mind. It's all in your flesh and in your unrenewed mind. I love that. Overcome evil with good. Well, how do I do that? We've talked a little bit. Let's go a little deeper. Go to James chapter 4. Let's look at verse 7. You guys know these scriptures. We're going to know them a little more today. James chapter 4, verse 7. Guys, I can't tell you how important this is. We can't wait years to make a decision. Well, I'm going to get to this point and then I'm going to start serving God. I want you to just be all in with him. It's a glorious life. There's nothing that's better than him. Nothing at all. James chapter 4, verse 7, step number one, what do I do? I submit myself to the Lord. Notice you have to submit yourself. Do you notice how Satan's always trying to get you to submit to him? He tries to force you. God never will. He'll tell you, you humble yourself. You submit yourself unto the Lord. Then you resist the devil and the devil will flee from you as in terror. Because he can't mess with anybody that's submitted to the Lord. And you can't be submitted to the Lord if you're not submitted to his word. 
And you can't be submitted to his word if you don't meditate in his word. Because you won't see it. Which means you won't know it. Right? Knowing is seeing. When revelation goes off of God's word, it'll take options out of your life. And oh, when, when God takes the options out of your life, all that's left is life. See, he sets before you life and death. But as you grow in the word of God, you start to, it's not an option for me to walk over here in this lifestyle, in this behavior. It's not an option for me. If I ever even move in that direction, God might even use my grandson to help me get, he'll use anything, but I'm, I'm tender enough to not just go, hey, I'm the papa. You don't tell me what, no, no, that's pride. No, you're like, yes, that's right. We should never do that. Your mom's right. Because he, he made it very clear where he heard that from, Mom, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and then after Asher talks to me, then I talk to the Lord. Father, I confess that before you. That's not what you have. I yielded my tongue to something that's way, way below where you've put me. And guess what? God's like, no problem. Forgiveness, cleansing, let's keep going. Right? This is a wonderful way to live. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. So now let's go over, let's go a little deeper in this. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, in verse 14. Just turn right a little bit. 1 John chapter 5. Hallelujah. Look at this. We'll start in verse 13. Actually, we better start in verse 11, because it's so good. It says in First John chapter 5, verse 11, And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that, to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, I think this is hilarious. This is a hilarious verse. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Hmm. So he wrote this to those that believe on the name. That's who he's talking to. People that already believe on the name. But he wrote to people that already believe on the name that they may know that they have eternal life and that they may believe on the name. In other words, this is not a one-time thing. God will help you stay in a place where you believe on the name. And whatever you face in life, you will believe on the name. No matter where I'm at, no matter what's happening, no matter if, if a thousand are falling at my right hand, 10,000 at my left, doesn't matter. I'm abiding in him and I'm believing on the name. That I'm coming out, I'm victorious, nothing can hurt me. I have been given authority in the name of Jesus. Right? 
The enemy has no authority. You have it. He's operating as an outlaw, and he's defeated. And so we have to keep him at bay. And then it says this, verse 14, that's where I want you to go. And this is the confidence, I love that, that we have in him that if we ask anything, if we, this word ask means if we call for, if we require, or if we make a demand for. It doesn't mean just what the English word means, ask. That's not what the Greek, the, the English word means I ask, hey, Father, could I have a cookie? He might say yes, he might say no. That's not what the Greek word is. The Greek word means, and this is the confidence that I have in him, if I make a demand for, if I call for, if I require, Father, in the name of Jesus, I require my healing. It is written that Jesus himself bore my sickness on the cross, so now I'm requiring my healing. I'm making a demand for it, right? I'm calling for it. And Father, look, look what it says. It says, if we ask anything according to his will, well, am I asking according to his will? Yes, it's written. He sent his word and healed me. It says here, if I ask anything according to his will... He hears me. And if I know he hears me, verse 15, whatever I'm calling for, making a demand for, or requiring, if I know it's his will, I know he hears me, and I know that we have the petition that we've required or desired of him. In other words, all the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, so be it unto you. So if you know the will of God in an area, you know you have it. Wow. Sounds a lot like what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. Not might, not nine out of ten. No. Guys, in our circles... It's amazing how we've learned some wonderful truths in the word, but because we have stopped meditating on them and because we've put ourselves first instead of keeping God first, we know a bunch of scriptures and none of them are working for us. And, and your friends look at you and go, where's the proof? Right? But no more. We meditate. We keep this stuff in front of us. Why? Because it's truth. And we get in faith and we stay in faith. And we always, from glory to glory, see these things manifest in our life. Bodies healed, finances, peace, joy, fruit. All of these things. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Isn't that amazing? He wants us to walk in this. He, he needs us to walk in this. So now, confidence. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 11 because it gives us a real, a real good picture of what this means. Daniel chapter 11. Let's go back there. It's right after Ezekiel. 
Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. This little book of Daniel, so powerful. It says in verse 32, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But this is what I want you to see. But the people that do know their God, know their God. This word know means to know so intimately that something is being conceived, or it's, it's being conceived in me and birthed out of me. That intimacy, that's this word, no. God wants to, you to know him and him to, he already knows you, but he wants you to know him so intimately that he's able to conceive things on the inside of you and birth things out of you. They that know God this way. Now, now how important is this scripture? In the New Testament, Jesus said, listen guys, multitudes are going to say to me in that day, in this day, when they stand before Jesus, Jesus, didn't I preach? Didn't I lay hands on the sick? Didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I do all this stuff for you? And Jesus doesn't go, yeah, I know. I know you did that, but. No, he didn't say that. He said, guys, depart from me, for I never knew you. It's the Greek word genosko. It means to know. It, it was a Jewish idiom, uh, word of the day in Jesus' day that gave you a picture of sexual intercourse. I never genoscoed you. I never knew you intimately to where things were conceived in you and birthed out of you. Wow. As your pastor, I love you so much. But guys, a big part of the picture that we have in the Christian church is not real. I hope you know that. We've got a bunch of people who are running around and sitting in churches and going, well, I believe in God. But you know what? Nobody gets born again by believing in God. You've got to not only, it's, it's to believe that word believe in John 3.16 means I believe it so strongly I'm making a decision to commit my life to it, right? And I'm willing to act on it. Nobody gets saved until they act on it and say, Jesus, I, I believe you're Lord of all and today I bow to your lordship and you are now my Lord. I'm no longer my Lord. That's the person that gets born again. That's the person where now Something's conceived in them. You're made brand new. The Holy Spirit takes up residency in your heart. And boy, I'll tell you, your whole existence, things will be birthed out of you. You will love beyond what you've been able to love. Right? You'll walk in things that, that are being birthed out of you. That's why you can't take any credit for it. It's, always, it's all you in him. So this is huge. Those that know their God this way shall be strong. This word strong means courageous enough to seize hold of things. 
What things soever you desire, Mark 11, right, 24. Believe that you receive them. That word receive means seize hold of them and you will have them. God wants you to seize hold of the blessing of God. Think about it as you're sitting here right now. If you'll get quiet, things will start stirring in you. You know there is a plan for your life. Now, I made some statements, and I could tell the enemy's trying to grab some of these statements. I don't know if it's, just, if it's people here or online, but people are starting to question, well, am I really saved? This is how you know if you're really saved. Does the Holy Spirit bear witness with your spirit that you're a son of God? Right? Now, for some of you, you might have to turn the TV off a little bit. You might have to alter your lifestyle a little bit because you can't hear the still small voice because of all the noise on the outside that you're paying attention to. But boy, if you just get quiet, because remember, being saved is not about being flawless. No, 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 no. Paul said, on the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, listen, don't be, talking to Christians, don't be a weapon of unrighteousness. Be a, be a weapon of righteousness. Guys, take off your old man. Well, wait a minute, I thought he's gone. Well, he's gone in, out of your spirit but your flesh, he's still there. And if you haven't renewed your mind yet, you're going to think just like somebody who doesn't know God. But your spirit will bear witness. The Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Because there is such a thing as a carnal Christian. Well, pastor, you're this great man of God that knows everything. Right? Right? Tell me, what's the difference? I don't know. I, I can judge a tree by the fruit. But there's some people that there's no fruit. But I can't, but, but are they saved? I hope so. But I can't tell. Me, the big, powerful, strong man of God driving, my, I mean, how anointed must it have been to spend all afternoon with Papa when they heard this person who they look at as, wow, this is, this is a, an example of who God is, but then they heard him say, idiot. Right? I'd love to tell you that was the first time, the first stupid thing that came out of my mouth. The first dumb thing that I've done as a Christian. Jeanette will never tell you, but boy, she could probably tell you some stuff, right? <laughs> but it's not about being flawless. It's about adjusting and repairing. Your spirit will grab you and go, what are you doing? Right? Right? So don't let the enemy lie to you. You might be sitting there or watching online, bearing no fruit, living your own life. Get quiet. Do you really have a love for God in your heart and a desire to serve him? Then you're his child. 
where all the inner turmoil comes from is because you haven't been yielding to him. You've been yielding to temptation. And that's why we're talking about this. I'm telling you what, I'm, guys, we are the cast. And God has called us to do something in the earth that's never been done, never been seen before. And it's amazing. Hallelujah. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So now let's go to, let's go to the New Testament and see the same thing. Ephesians chapter 6. You guys doing okay this morning? Yeah. Hallelujah. I tried to put notes down last night. Got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, tried to put some notes down. And then at 6 o'clock in the morning... The Lord just downloaded everything. And then in worship, the first scripture came up. And then it just comes up. It's awesome. In Ephesians 6.10, one of the greatest epistles written with more doctrine in it, more powerful statements than most letters in the New Testament, but yet Paul says at the end of this letter, now, finally, my brethren, now to the most important thing I'm going to say to you, and he says this, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Literally, it would read like this, be continually strengthened in the Lord, continually, and in the power of his might. Walk according to his ability. Paul said it this way, I am who I am by the grace of God. Right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is huge. We got we to look at that scripture. Go to Philippians. Hallelujah. Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ. So does that mean that there's anything you can't do? No. Who strengthens me. This means he empowers me. He enables me. It literally gives you a picture of increasing in strength and being made strong. So how strong are you? What are you facing? Well, I'm facing cancer. Well, you're stronger than cancer. You're being made strong. You're stronger than anything you, can, you will ever face. Why? Because of you? No, no, because of him. Isn't that awesome? This is so important that we see this. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ. Well, we're kind of coming down the hill now. Let's go over to the Gospel of John. Let's look at a few scriptures here. John chapter 15. Let's look there. John chapter 15. Hallelujah. I believe we're going to about verse 4. Hallelujah. I'll tell you here in a minute. Yeah, verse 4. Let's look at this. It says here, abide in me. And I in you, 
as the branch, and this word abide, literally think of it this way, remain in me. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. So is Jesus saying it's impossible for you to bear fruit if you're not abiding in him? It's exactly what he's saying. So if you're doing anything on your own, it will produce no fruit. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, aren't you glad that Jesus is an unlimited vine, which means that you are an unlimited branch, which means that all things are possible to you who believe. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. What? Jesus, that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Because, I mean, I can do some stuff. Yeah. And guess what God, the all-knowing God, calls it nothing. You won't talk about it in eternity. It won't be remembered. Right? God wants you to yield eternal fruit. If any man, verse 6, abide not in me, is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned... But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask, you will again call for, require, make a demand for whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. Why? Because in this place, your will is God's will. Your, this picture in the Greek, it gives you a picture of your two wills coming together. I love that. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. Isn't that good news? So I want to kind of leave you with this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We did a whole series on these two verses that I believe we're going to see. We did a series on thankfulness. That it's, it's literally the key to miracles. Thankfulness puts God in motion to do everything. And look at what the word of God says. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be unto God. Or I'm sorry, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Every victory that you will have in life will come through your Lord, Jesus Christ. He gives you the victory. Everything that you face in your future, everything you're facing right now, God has given you the victory over it. Isn't it amazing? Go to 2 Corinthians, just another page over. Chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. 
Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and he makes manifest the savor, that means the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. Wow. See, for about 40-some years, I've been wearing this cologne that has a fragrance. The cologne is Polo, the green classic. And sometimes people will smell it, and they'll be like, man, you know, that smells really nice or whatever, but that's not really the fragrance that I'm wanting them to see. See, victory, he always gives us the victory. That means whatever you are going to face or facing, when you get the victory, that means you win. But then after you win, now comes the triumph. That's the party after the victory. So as you're living a life of thanksgiving, now you're walking in the victory. The victory's already happened. You're triumphing. And guess what? When you triumph, when you're walking around and those family members that thought you were crazy are now kind of going, wow, they, they're healed. Their finances turned around. Their life, their life turned around. And you're just thanking God. There's a fragrance that comes out of that. The name of it is called triumph. We should, we should develop a Christian fragrance called triumph. Because the Bible says, look at this. Now thanks be to God, your Father is who causes this fragrance to come out of you. And that fragrance, what does it smell like? It smells like the knowledge of God. His knowledge by us in every place. It, this whole world is to smell of the fragrance of the triumph of God. So don't look at your battle like it's over, guys. Like, like it's over, like, oh my gosh, it's over, I've already lost. No, no, look at your battle like it's over. No, no, it's over I have already won. I am not moved by any of this stuff out here. I'm not moved by anything that's going on in my body. It is all subject to change, and it all has to change. The word of God is the final authority in my life. Do you get that? Amen. Say this with me. I am victorious. I am, victorious. I am triumphant. In Christ. Aren't you thankful for that? You have been given victory, triumph, and authority over everything. That is not my opinion. That is Bible. And if you want to keep going, I could wear you out with scriptures. Actually, you don't get worn out with scriptures. You just get hungrier and hungrier, don't you?